Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Good evening, this is World Wide Wave, Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community, taking you around the globe one queer story at a time. I'm Matt, and we are live from the Joy Studios in the magnificent Victorian Pride Centre, where tonight I'm joined by Stefan. Good evening. Good evening. Fitting in can be a challenge for multicultural people in Australia. But if you are LGBTIQ and multicultural, a whole new complexity develops about where and how you fit into Australian society. The intersectionality of culture diversity and sexual orientation or gender diversity is full of hidden hurdles. The Melbourne-based Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council, the AGMC, has delved into the personal stories of racism and other forms of discrimination. Their report, titled Navigating Intersectionality, Multicultural and Multifaith Victorians Talk About Discrimination and Affirmation, brings to light some uncomfortable truths. Joining us in the studio tonight are the report co-authors Maria Palotta Cher- Charioli and uh, Buddhi Sadato from the AGMC. Tonight we are talking about multiculturalism and multi-faith uh, in Australia, multicultural communities and the LGBT communities. And we are very pleased to welcome from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council, Maria Palotta Charioli. I like it. Did I no, get it? No, not quite, but I love it. <laughs> give it, any give ver- it to me. I've got to get it right. Chiaroli. 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 Lovely. And Buddhi Sadato. Yes, correct. Excellent. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, you've produced this report, which has, uh, as we mentioned, some uncomfortable truths. But where did this all start from? What were you seeing that you decided, you know, we need to look into this and find out what's going on. Maria? Well, we, we're kind of lucky we're in this state in some ways because we got some funding from the previous Minister for Multicultural okay. Affairs, Minister Robin Scott, with the support of Maria Demopoulos, um, to get some funding to look into racism and other forms of discrimination in various settings in Victoria. So that's where we started. And alongside Judy Tang, who's our quantitative guru, um, Dr Judy Tang, who's on the board of VPC, So that's what we did. We set out to discover and explore what are the kinds of discriminations that our LGBTIQ, multicultural, multi-faith people are are experiencing in workplaces, health settings, higher education, um, in the LGBTIQ community, in cultural and in faith spaces. Wow. Uh, Is there... How far can you go? How many cultures can you... have, Have you captured in this research? 
Oh God, I can't remember now. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's in the report. It's in, it's in the report. There's quite a, there's quite a few. I mean, we did, you know, we didn't capture the whole. Uh, you know, the, the wide variety of multicultural communities because you know where, where do we begin do we mm-hmm. start from um, people identifying from their nationality or, or you know where their parents um, nationalities are or is it based on their ethnicity so we we try to be as wide as we can but you know we, we always know whenever there's a research in multicultural communities it's almost impossible to capture everyone so we do the best that we could and I think you know I think I think we have a quite a mm-hmm. good good representation of at least the majority um you know I hate saying this but you know the the most prominent multicultural communities that exist in Victoria so we got definitely we got representation from the Chinese community Vietnamese um and the Jewish community as well. We got representation of international students. So mm. that's the the one group that quite often being forgotten yeah. because they are in and out very quickly. Yeah. And um so one of the key findings though of the report is this covert racism rather than overt and it's um it's really you showed that it's a primary form of violence experienced by multicultural LGBTQ people in Australia. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, how it kind of manifests itself and what yeah, what is people covert w- racism? Oh, I love it, Maria, just looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> you explain this one. <laughs> Um, there, there's so many different ways that covert or, or subtle forms of racism, you know, and it can be very, very difficult for us to quantify it because it's a lot about feelings, you know, f- mm. just the feeling of being excluded or being um, not necessarily excluded, but feeling that we have been um uh, you know, these the strange looks or even the strange body language. And, you know, as, as, as someone who's, who's brown, um, you know, we, we develop that, that awareness very early on, um, you know, because I came to Australia when I was 18. So it was very, very early on we developed that awareness. And that in itself is a form of subtle racism. Why is it when I step on the tram, uh, you know, a white person walk in, no one flinch, and then I, I walk in, and then suddenly people start looking at me differently. You know, that that simple, um, simple, simple explanation. But I think the most damaging things about subtle racism is when it is masked as jokes. And we heard a lot about it because we did um, focus group and interviews, and a lot of people saying to us, you know, just just jokes. You know, just stop making jokes about us and stop expecting us to laugh because it hurts us but when we tell people that it hurts us they brush us off and say it's just a joke you know it's the australian way we don't take things seriously and that comes through very very strong in Mm. all settings you know people are mispronouncing their name people are not making an effort to learn about their name Um, people asking um, you know what is what is your what is the English version of your name? I mean, that's mm. just right. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. what impact can this have on people? Because obviously, the, the short-term effect, and you know, the, the being annoyed by being, being told, "Oh, yes, it's a joke. It's the Australian way." And but surely, when it's accumulated, there must be mm-hmm. an impact. What can you tell us about that? Is is that compounding impact, isn't it? And I think yeah. this is what the 
the good thing about this research because we we're looking at it from an intersectional mm. um, lens and we're looking into compounding impact. So yes, one person saying a joke, we can probably take it and brush it off. When mm. it becomes ten, twenty, and we become systemic, when we heard it from um, televisions, politicians, mm. you know, um, even strangers. Then of course that's going to have an impact on the way we see ourselves, um, especially people who were born here or who grew up here. You know they're already feeling different, and why are you making an extra step to make us mm-hmm. even feel more different? And I think part of the dam- damaging impact as well when people are accessing LGBTIQ spaces or queer spaces, they expect that level of awareness. You know we we all experiencing discrimination. Yet all that subtle form of racism and other forms of discrimination mm-hmm. still exists, and that makes people even feeling more alienated because the one community that they thought is going to be a safe place for them can actually be the community that is the most hostile towards people. So we really need to start looking inwards and ask ourselves, have we actually created this sense of safety? And why is it that some groups are... And being made to feel more safe than other groups. So there's a lot of reflection in the report, and that reflection is not criticism, but it's about inviting us, the queer communities, to actually do better in this space. Okay. Mm. Can, can I ask, how do you explain this covert racism in the community itself? Because we've been faced with so many discrimination. Surely we should be aware that this is something that's really could make people uncomfortable. So yeah. how, how do you explain it, that it's there? It's going back to the various factors that we all are. You know, when you know, people are not just their sexuality or their gender, they have a class background, an age background. You know, someone like me from a Southern European Italian background, oh, I was devastated by what you said about the mafia and kind of not at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Horrific. But, you know, we, we, we arrive yeah. in this country and, and so someone like me is now seen as whiter. We've been whitened. Um, And so it could be skin colour and accent, ways that people speak. Um, These are lingering, and it's also about in any community, unfortunately, you have people with privilege and power, and sometimes privilege can sit next to um, oppression. And there's things that people want to do to seem better. Yeah. And, to, and, and to do that, you need to make someone feel inferior. Mm. And if I could add something to what Buddy is saying incredibly, is that one of the things that was very difficult to find in this report, hey, Buddy, was the, the fact that people walk away. Mm. So if people, if people from diverse cultural and faith communities are not attending an event, what is it about the system or the mm. event? If they're not going to the mosque... You know, it's not that they don't have a faith. There are incredible people of Muslim, queer people of faith. So what is it? And the workplace, my goodness, there's so much around the fact that there are policies, diversity and inclusion policies, but people are finding they can't, they don't feel like they want to, I love what you say, Buddy, the emotional labour it takes to complain, to put forward an issue. Sometimes it's just easier to walk away. Mm. But you're doing yourself out of the community mm. that, as you said, Woody, you're supposed to feel safe in. And very, very, very quickly on that as well, I think some people have used that as an excuse to not do anything. They said, well, you know, we're queer, so we know what it feels like to be discriminated. It's like, well, actually, when we look at intersectionality, when we look at power, privilege, positionality, mm. just because we're queer doesn't mean that we are immune from the social structure. We're immune for power inequality and imbalance. 
we actually have to do a lot more to really unpack um, this concept of inclusion because we are trying to champion inclusion. We are presenting our communities as this beacon of inclusion. So to do that, we have the responsibility to really look into um, our positionality yeah. and challenging that power inequality. And it does mean we look at whiteness. It does mm. mean that, look, we know, and this is the next report. We've just finished one whole lot of research. <laughs> Off AGMC goes again. I mean, we're going to start looking at the right-wing supremacy stuff that is coming into yeah. LGBTIQ spaces and is starting to affect many of our members. And, look, we found it in the report, didn't we, Buddy? You had to go through all the trolls. <laughs> I'll let Buddy talk about yeah, that. I was going to, uh, to say because in, I was reading in the report that you had the survey, there was quite a lot of trolls that you had to remove. How did you identify them and what kind of mm. comments were made? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to censor myself because this is a radio. <laughs> There's a lot of trolls. Um, most of them comes from the wider community, so not so much from the LGBTI communities. There's a lot of political trolling as well. You know, all this is typical Labour government doing. Um, there's a lot of... Because it was a government-funded This yes. is a government-funded you know, report. Yeah. There's um, there's quite a few of stop victimising yourself. You know, Australia is an equal place. There's a few of, well, you know, if you don't like it here, why are you complaining? You know, the useful stuff mm. of go back to where you come from, you know, like... And, and imagine telling that to someone who born here. So, well, mm. where am I we supposed to go? You know, this is our country. We're, not, we're Australian. So the trolling from the wider community sort of reflect the broader community. But I think, you know, before we, before we um, move to the break, the one thing that really disheartening is the trolling from the inside of the queer community. There's a lot, there's quite a few of, well, you know, you're lucky that you'll be here. If you are in Saudi Arabia, you'll be stoned. If you are in, in Afghanistan, you'll be thrown out of the building. And we're just thinking, hang on a second, this is coming from our communities. Why are they making that comparison instead to actually work with us? And and, and feeling uncomfortable because we all have our own racism and biases and stereotypes. But the way they frame it is to actually attacking us um, and put us again as as, as, as as a group to be blamed for all of this, um, these incidences. I'd like to delve into that one a little bit mm. deeper. Our guests tonight, uh, Maria and Budi from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council. We've got heaps more coming up. You're on World Wide Wave. Turn us on and we'll turn it out. Joy. This is Douglas. And this is Paula. From Kaleidoscope Australia Human Rights Foundation, keeping a watchful eye on LGBTI rights across Asia and the Pacific. On the World Wide Wave. We are joined tonight by the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council, uh, Maria Palotta. Carioli. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, Sorry, Sa- I'm enjoying it, Matt. Is that, is that terrible of me? <laughs> I'm trying. And, and I I'll love get there that. by the end of the show. No worry. <laughs> um, you've put out this report, Navigating Intersectionality, Multicultural Multi-Faith Victorians Talk About Discrimination and Affirmation. And the reason it's Victoria only is because that's where the funding has come from. That's where the concentration is. We were just talking about the LGBT community and... Uh, it's particularly str- uh, trolling within mm. the community around this report. Um, when we look at the incidences of, um, I guess, these aggressions, these attacks, if we compared the LGBT community to the broader community, is that is the, is at the rainbow community better or worse, or do we have a feel of degrees there? Oh, that's contextual, isn't it? Mm. There's, there's definitely, you know, there's always little pockets in every communities that we are part of. Um, 
I, I think you know the the challenge for I, I'm sorry I'm going to narrow it down to queer communities. So the, mm. the challenge for queer communities it, it still is that sense of as a community are we willing to explore this concept of power because that's where it's all stem for you know this power and privilege um, and that if we're not willing to explore that we're not willing to unpack that then the incidences of racism and other forms of discrimination whether it's ableism ageism um, gender-based violence faith discrimination you know all of that comes with this um, from this this positionality and um, what Maria said before If some sections of the of our com- queer communities would like to align themselves with the existing power structure, and that existing power su- structure is very white, heteronormative, mm-hmm. and cis-normative, then we actually not much better than the system that we are trying to challenge as well. So this is something that we need to look inwards. And I've been talking about this for many, many years through AGMC as well. You know, we will need to start looking, even within our own multicultural queer mm-hmm. communities, we need to start looking into which community that has been granted more power and privilege because of their migration history, because they have been, um, you know, quote-unquote, embraced by the wider Australian um, society, and which communities are still trying to find their place and still facing discrimination even within the multicultural queer communities. And what we always try to work for is not so much about, um, you know, it's, it's about looking into the communities that really need further assistance and really needs to be an advocate for us that has been embraced and adopted as part of the Australian society that we need to start advocating for the communities who hasn't been provided with the space to advocate for themselves. And Is that what you mean by ex- when you say we need to explore how do we actually well, we're a, we're a really diverse community mm. in in uh, from a rainbow point of view how do we actually explore I, really, for me, it's more about self-awareness, isn't it? Like once we are aware about our position, once we are aware where we are in the in the wider power structure, then we can start unpacking and exploring it. Because you know, let, let's face it, you know, I'm, I'm very secure, I'm very comfortable, I got a lot of support. So that positionality, that awareness, can actually start for me to understand. Just because I am secure and in my position right now, doesn't mean that's the norm. And this is something about positionality and unpacking and exploring. Just because some members of the queer communities and some members of the multicultural queer communities feel safe and secure and have access to power and privilege does not make it as the norm. As a community, we have the responsibility to actually go back and start looking into what have we done to get to this space, all the struggles, all the pains and all the joys, Which part of our communities are yet to be given that opportunity because they have been discriminated based on their skin color, based on ethnicity, migration, migration status, um, seeking asylum, the African diaspora communities? And what can we do now to use our power and privilege that we fought very, very hard for to actually start advancing the rights of the communities that haven't been given that opportunity? And this is that 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 always that internal dialogues and always um, the willingness to also step back. Once we work with that communities, we listen to their needs. We give, uh, you know we we do our best to give um, to make them 
um, give them the platform. Now we have to step back and give that community the agency to decide how they're going to use their advocacy and um, and their, um, their their rights to to um, to manage their own um, their own social justice movement. So this is the reflection that we need to do. And 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 again, what I said before, sometimes our communities, sometimes in the queer communities. We use the excuse of we're queer, we know what being discriminated about, you don't need to tell us. Actually, we do need to tell you because the experiences of discrimination is very different from one individual to another, from one community to another. And looking at intersectional intersectionality and using intersectional lens, there are so many different ways that multiple marginalization exists. If we're not willing to explore that, then we're actually not doing our job. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Maria Mbudi from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council. Um, Maria Mbudi, from the research, are there what, what are the communities that do need more help? The emerging communities. The um, what do you mean by emerging? Emerging. So the new arrivals, new mm-hmm. people who are coming in, asylum yeah. seekers, refugees, um, people of skin colour who are, are people of colour um, are, are, are very much in need. Um, English as an additional language, um, people who may have a lack of employment, international students, refugees and, you know, asylum seekers who do not even have access to, you know, Medicare, a whole lot of factors. And and so it's... And what bothers me, Matt and Stefan and Buddy and I have this conversation is that sometimes those of us who come from established communities, you know, like who owns half of Ligon Street, seriously, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Um, Sometimes we suffer from what we call historical amnesia. We forget what we have been through. So when AGMC started in 2004, and you were just an honest student, Woody, um, you know, we were predominantly Greek, Italian, Southern European. Now, as time has gone on, we're into the third, fourth generation. We're all okay, most of us. But now we should be actually allies to the emerging communities who are going through what we went through. And let's not forget, there have been some incredible shifts mm. in the queer spaces everywhere, but there's still more to do. Mm. And especially because racism is manifesting itself as Islamophobia and is manifesting itself as really based on skin colour. And we're talking about sexual mm. racism as well. Mm. I mean, Grindr ain't a pretty place no. for a lot of people, for mm. a lot of you know men. Can I go back a little bit on international student because it's a, it's a part of our population and the society that's not very acknowledged a lot and we've seen that during the pandemic there was quite some vocal discrimination from the government you know when uh, the prime minister told his students to go home so can you tell us about a little bit about what you found in that population because I think it's that it's was your focus group. That was my focus group, yes. Yeah, we had a really nice dinner with a, with a group of international students. Um, this, is, this is part of the intersectionality, isn't mm. it? You know, all of us, including myself, I was a former international student. We came here because we want to feel safe, because we know there's a, there's a safety net here. And now, that was back in 98, but now there's a legal safety as well. So, so students coming here fully aware that Australia is a safe place for them. However... That's where so, uh, one of the um, one of the participants said, you know, that's where all this glitter and glamour glamour started to disappear. The moment they landed here, and mm. the moment they started to encountering that systemic barriers and systemic racism, the comments about um, at the start of the pandemic, you should just go home. Going home for some of our um, some for our, some of our students means putting themselves at risk. You know, going back to a family that may not accept who they are sexuality and gender 
They're coming here to ed- education institutions that, let's face it, um, like to take on the international students' fee, but not necessarily like to give back to the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about universities here. We, when we talk about TAFE and other, other private colleges, there's a lot even more barriers there. The students come here, and what do we do? You know, we like to connect with people from our similar cultural backgrounds. And then what happened? Um, you know, not, not many of our peers might be supportive towards our identities, our sexuality and gender. So all of this compounding impact, they all start to play, um, play have an impact on our mental health. You know, yeah. okay, so we got, we got university that doesn't necessarily support us and doesn't really understand, um, you know, the, the, the intersectionality between race and LGBTIQ plus identities. Then we are trying to access the queer communities and yet we're experiencing racism. And by the way, sexual racism is just one part of mm-hmm. racism. There's so many different other part of uh, different um, ways that the queer communities can be racist, um, including, um, you know, exoticizing us because of our skin mm-hmm. color and our accent and our um, and where we're from, and including over-romanticizing our cultural background. The amount of time that I have to correct people because they said, oh, isn't that great? You know, like in Indonesia, gender diversity is part of the society. And I was like, which part, when, and who? <laughs> like, you know, this over-romanticizing is actually part of microaggression because you're looking at our culture from a wide lens without the willingness to actually listen to our own experiences in our societies. So you got all these barriers and uh, all this systemic discrimination happening. Who's going to provide support for the international students when they already feel that the Australian society is only wanting them for their money? You know, that's the next level. We're going to get in a bit about what microaggression is, and perhaps we might tackle that other taboo next, uh, which is religion and faith. You're on World Wide Wave on Joy 94.9. While we're here, we've had a message. In fact, we've had a membership come through. Andrew from Richmond, lovely to have you a part of the Joy family. Thanks for taking out a membership. Uh, you can also, um, you might also be interested in volunteering at Joy. So there's lots of ways that you can get involved. It might be on air or newsreader or behind the scenes podcaster, a voiceover artist, um, editing, tech helping people to staff the the front office desk there's all sorts of ways go to joy.org.au and uh, click on the volunteer section we'd love to have you a part of our family joy 94.9 we're talking multiculturalism and the intersectionalities that go with that in australia with maria and booty from the australian glbtiq multicultural council and the report called navigating intersectionality that you've just put out you mentioned the term there, microaggressions. Mm. What is a microaggression? So microaggressions in, in the way people speak to each other, the assumptions that someone makes about a person just from the visual or the accent, um, and then they approach that person with that assumption. Woody gave us a great example of, you know, from Indonesia. Rather than asking questions in an ethical, curious way, not a put down way um so it's about it's isolation judgmental is that yeah, what yeah judgmental um the know-it-all i call them the cultural mm. know-it-alls oh yeah i've been to your country and i know all about your mm. because i've seen a movie about it i went to the art <laughs> gallery and i'm like well i know from my background my parents never came out of the little village you know they were poor so they don't know so, so just those assumptions expectations mm. ignorance rather mm. than learning how to ask and instead of saying where are you from how easy is it to go, I'm really interested in cultural heritages. Mm. Mine is. Mm. May I ask what yours is? So do you think people realise to do that? Or how do we... 
I don't think I think it's getting better, but I mm. think many people don't realise mm. that they that they there's this assumption that other that the people are there for their entertainment, mm. for for um, an exotic or mm. um, just to be there. Tokenism is very difficult. Mm. So what we call decolonizing practice from first peoples, which is create r- trust, create relationship, create ways of sharing information, enjoy each other's cultures without using it as an entertainment, mm. um, all those kinds of... So microaggressions are in that daily practice, mm. in the workplace, in a setting. Um, also asking people to tell you about their culture, where it's like just... Google it. I'll never forget <laughs> Mama Altor, brilliant, who just went, I don't have to I don't want to do the emotional labour of having mm. to tell you everything about my culture. I want to have conversations. Mm. But she can go away and learn a lot without having to put me on the spot to explain every single Indonesian <laughs> queer person. <laughs> and yeah, it's only one person's view, even That's if you're right. getting that. Yeah. Um, we touched before just uh, uh, on religion. What did mm. you find about the influence of the intersectionality mm. of religion mm. and LGBTQ people mm. and multiculturalism? Well, I think first thing we need to acknowledge that the the queer communities still has and and you know whether justified or not when we talk about faith communities there is still that anxiety and there is that automatic assumptions that all faith communities they must be queer phobic right so um, one of the one of the trolling that we got from the queer community when we posted on Facebook when we recruit was why would you want to be part of a religion that actually discriminate against you. That in itself is problematic because as a person of faith myself, you know, we work really, really hard to reconcile our faith and our sexuality, our gender, and we work really hard to create a a sense of community of belonging here in Australia. Now, faith communities, yes, there's still a lot of queerphobia and there's still a lot of anti-LGBTI sentiments out there. At the same time, that's not every single person with faith. In my professional work, in the work that I do that is separate from AGMC, we can always find an ally within faith communities. You know, sometimes those allies are the people that you didn't expect to be an ally. But once you implement that decolonizing practice, once you build that sense of trust, relationship, familiarity, that's when people started saying, oh, by the way, my uncle is also gay. By the way, my friend is having difficulty because he's trans. So faith communities internally within the communities themselves, they know people who are LGBTI, but because faith communities has been framed by the society and by the queer community as anti-LGBTI, of course, there is that sense of resistance, isn't it? So in our report, we find people who said, I love my faith communities. I can embrace my spirituality. I'm protective of my faith communities because I know what the right-wing media is going to say about me. I know what the queer community is going to be saying about my faith. At the same time, I also recognize the struggles that we have to go through within our faith and us working collectively to find safe spaces within faith communities. So that intersectionality is actually a good way to start unpacking those. So it is not faith communities is bad. And the LGBTI is actually recognizing all the dynamics, all the relationships, all the intersectionality and positionality that exists within faith communities. And what we need to do as a queer communities is to actually start talking to allies from the faith communities. 
It's very hard to um, be against somebody when they're a real person. It's much easier when it's yes. this abstract concept that's been talked about. I just want to touch you because you, the organisation that you're from, the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council, some people aren't going to have heard of you. Mm-hmm. What services do you provide other than the research types? Yeah, of so, and you can find us, and thank you for putting the links up. So contact at agmc.org.au. We do everything from research nerds like Woody and myself. We run social events. We're looking for and we support. So, for example, the Queer Pacifica event that's coming up here in midsummer at VPC um, is supported. So we do we run we 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 take on a lot of individual calls and questions yep. sometimes from asylum seekers. So we're a bit of a referral as well. So we refer to other organisations. We partner up with lots of organisations. Um, come to us if you've got a social event or if you've got. Um, a research partnership or anything you'd like to do. So we're out there navigating the diversity that Woody's been talking about, different faiths, different cultures, different ages, genders, sexualities, um, and finding those beautiful points. We're part of social change. Mm. You know, we, we're not saying that our cultures have got it all together, but we're not. But what we're saying is that we're all in this together and we need to find those spaces of mm. developing our communities. And people like myself who are allies need to learn when to step forward and when to step back mm. and what can we do in our communities outside the queer community to get these debates and dialogues mm. going. Sometimes an ally like me might have more power with a religious leader. Mm. So what can I do and then how can I step back? And I think that's it. And, and very quickly, uh, just mm. and also that sense of connections as well. Yeah. You know, sometimes we just got an email and saying, do you know yes. someone else? And then yeah. we're just connecting people. We meet online sometimes or sometimes, you know, just mm. randomly we meet each other. But that's what the role of AGMC. For some people, they just need to have that sense of affirmation. I'm not alone. I am part of multicultural communities. I have faith. But I'm try, struggling to find people who actually understand where they're coming yeah. from. And that's where that, that concept of positive intersectionality yeah. coming in. You know, when they mm. contact us, get in touch with us, then we connected with a lot of bunch of people. And if some people actually start to feel, I'm okay. Yeah. I don't have to fit with this norm of white yeah. queerness. And, and you alluded, website, Oh, sorry, Matt. You alluded to what's, I was going to ask you what's coming up next for yeah. AGMC. And you alluded to a new report on, the, on right-wing issues. Tell us a bit yeah. about that. Well, it's one of, I think two or three main things that AGMC is doing next year. We've actually established to address what you said, Stefan, about international students and universities. Mm. We've now set up an AGMC Academy. Our Vice President Alex is taking care of that with Professor Shanton Chang. So we're actually supporting and mentoring early career researchers queer Mm. cutie poc because of those spaces we're also going to be doing research on the right wing and the impact of the way that the right wing is recruiting in lgbti communities but also is coming already from within and the contact there would be um again contact at agmc.org.au and i'll lead you to that will lead you to carl gobakrishnan um and we've got a few social events that are coming up as well next year and as buddy said you know we just get emails from people who want to be connected on our website you'll see i think 10 languages buddy um six seven i'm looking at his fingers seven (laughs) seven languages which translate some wonderful information and also the addresses of about 32 multicultural multi-faith groups so basically the the recent one we helped establish through this research was the queer middle eastern and african christian 
association. Wow, there's an intersectionality. Yeah. Now, we have just popped that report uh, on our Facebook oh, page, you. W3Joy or World Wide Wave on Facebook. Maria and Booty from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council, thanks so much for joining us tonight <laughs> on World you. Wide Thank Wave. Thank you, Stefan and Matt. Thank, Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Want to hear more? Find out about LGBT life in over 100 countries. Download free podcasts of this show. Subscribe to iTunes or follow us on Twitter. Visit joy.org.au slash worldwide wave. This is Khaled Abdelhadi, founder of the first LGBT magazine in Jordan and one of the first in the new region. Speaking from Jordan on the worldwide wave. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like World Wide Wave on Facebook now. What a fascinating discussion tonight. A huge thank you to our guests, Maria Palotta Carioli and Budi Sedato from the Australian GLBTIQ Multicultural Council. You can find out all about their organisation, their good work at agmc.org.au or AGMC on your favourite social media platform. And for the messages on Facebook, thank you to James, Lees, Dwayne, Lana and heap more that have joined or interacted with us on Facebook. And that's, you can find us at W3Joy on Facebook. Facebook. To our podcaster Peter and social media master Dean, thank you for all your work behind the scenes to keep us on air. And don't forget, we'll be an next hour, week. Er, hour earlier next week, 6pm Worldwide Wave will be adorning your airwaves on Joy 94.9. And that's from next week onwards. Onwards, onwards, yes. Thanks for listening to another podcast from Worldwide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. Worldwide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.